Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, you're all very welcome back to the Celtics Old Podcast. I'll be your host. It's Andrew Millen here again. And my guest on the show today will be not the view's average Joe Miller. This episode has been sponsored by Goodwood Fuel Depot Drogheda, Thanks very much to Tony for his continued support of both the fanzine and now the podcast. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to sponsor the podcast, please get in contact by emailing us at info at celticfanzine.com and as always you can contact us through the website or on our social media channels. Folks, football plays such a big part in our lives, from grassroots to international to the club you follow, whether it's a small club in non-league or a big club in the elite of Europe. But I'd like to pay special tribute to my local team, Draw the United, as known as the Drogs, on winning the first division. Fair play to you boys, and I know Brendan Baxter and all the boys that travel to see Celtic with me will be very, very happy. Just a pity they can't get into Mother Users to celebrate. And I'd also like to give a special shout out to all the Rovers boys. Not my favourite team in the world, but Shamrock McGrovers. I travel with a lot of the boys over to Glasgow as well, and they've, they've had a great season winning the league and playing AC Milan in the Champions League, so... Best of luck to the Rovers boys as well. Kills me to say it, Busher. I have to. The Celtic players looked out on their feet last night at full time. After each and every one of them put in a performance they can be proud of. Yes, they made some mistakes, which led to the goals. And yes, the end result was bittersweet after an outstanding first half performance, which had me up on my feet, dancing around the sitting room. Young Frimpong, he made me eat my words with his best performance in a Celtic short this season. Mo was absolutely outstanding. Diego put in another solid shift and he's yet to win in a Celtic jersey but he has performed consistently. Ayeti looked like a different player than the one that was substituted in Patadri on Sunday and Scott Bain, well he saved the penalty. The foul committed by Duffy was outside the box and in my opinion it shouldn't have been a penalty. What a first half we witnessed. But it turned out to be a game of two halves with the French team piling on the pressure in the second half. Sloppy defending again, let us down but we had chances to win the game and Neil Lennon will have been encouraged by the performance against a really good French team in fine form in their league where they sit joint top. Before the game, I think we all would have been happy to take a share of the spoils, but a full time, as I said, the result tasted bittersweet. But we move on to Sunday now 
and the Scottish Cup semi-final at Hamden. I think maybe we saw the best of Aberdeen last week and I think we can play much better than we did in Pataudry. But it's a cup toy and you know yourself, we've been in beaten for a long time in cups and anything can happen in a cup game. But we love you Celtic, we do. Joe Miller, or Average Joe as he is known to many within the Celtic support, has been following Celtic home and away for decades now. He was also part of the original Not To View Celtic fanzine crew. He's an old punk rocker, and as I said, he's missed very little games. He's travelled throughout Scotland and Europe following the boys. Hi Joe, you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. You were our first guest on the show back in May with Alan Thompson. When I think back then, we chatted about the, the first lockdown and maybe getting back from normality, but we seem to be going backwards now with this COVID-19 pandemic. And we now seem as far away as ever from returning to Celtic Park. Oh, brutal, mate. Uh, nice to talk to you again, Andrew. Uh, love the intro. Old punk rocker. Yeah, that's why I am. Um, yeah, it's just, God, where do you start with it? It's, it's depressing. When we're going to get back to watching football again or just any normality, It's it just seems to be pulling us back in again. It's uh, I think the only answer is going to be a cure, where that's coming from it. Who's going to be the one to make a massive profit out of it? Who knows? But uh, yeah, we're all certainly missing the Celtic. And with a European tie last night, you all know where lots of us travel Europe is a big thing for us, seeing new places, meeting up with friends from a, a travel from all over. So it's, it was hard going watching it last night as well, because uh, you expect to be there. Yeah, Joe, and you're, you're like yourself, you're an outgoing person. You love getting out. You know, love getting to the football, getting to gigs, travelling. Um, it, it is it is a pain in in the ass. Um, I was in Lille, Joe, uh, when when Shane Duffy had a brilliant game for us when it was Ireland against Italy. I think that was Shane's first time coming in, maybe his first start. I'm not 100 percent sure. We'd had a disaster uh, against Belgium. We had a good start against Sweden, disaster against Belgium. And then we beat Italy in that stadium. So that was the talk yesterday among myself and a few of the boys that I watched Celtic at Ireland with, you know, get like the crack we had in that city. But like crack we've had in so many cities, Joe. And for us, you know, it's, you know, we'd love a win in these cities. But I think in, in, in the, when we look back, any point in, away in Europe, especially against quality teams, is is a welcome. Of course it is. And it, it was one of those ones where we were going into the game, as we all know, our form was poor, and not playing well at all, and Leo were a, a great team, and firing all cylinders uh, uh, domestically. So things weren't looking good. And that first half performance just blew everybody away. And the better luck with it, well, okay, he saved the penalty, but it's still luck as well and you're thinking well maybe we'll turn a, a corner here and then of course the second half we kind of collapsed a bit and you kind of walk at the, the end of the, the game you're thinking disappointed you know and, but before that you would have took that no problem so it's a turning point hopefully for the team um, and hopefully for the manager as well and hopefully for the fans but just going back to not being able to travel to the game it's, it's not even European it's Chris, even domestically, not even been able to go to Celtic Park or use guys coming over and, and meeting up in the pub and everything about it is this kind of, you think about that, well, I'd certainly do after every game, you know, it's, it's just like, you know, after last night, as I said, I felt disappointed and all that, but you'd have been back in a boozer discussing it with everybody that 
you met up the usual suspects yourself and all that. And we've had a great time just talking football in another time. Yeah, we sure would, Joe. And we've had, uh, we've been lucky enough to meet up in, in some wonderful cities and uh, have some some great conversations. And then, if I'm honest, like, you know, the walk or, or the underground train or bus we were getting from the, back in from the stadium to wherever we were meeting up, you know, was generally just happening. Like, you know, we would gen- we'd generally be beaten. Uh, and then we'd get, we'd get to the pub and, you know, we'd, we'd have a moan, we'd devote, and then we, we'd just enjoy the night. Yeah. And you do that even domestically, you know. If you're playing Ross County at home you know, and you win, but maybe not play particularly well. The, the whole thing in back and meeting your mates and, and having a conversation about it and disagreeing and, and, and then some fine music and good chat is... It's good for the soul, it's good for the mind, and God, we've lost all that, and people are struggling, you know, I certainly feel it, and I know everybody else must, you know, but you know, we need to get on with it, and we need to try and get through it, and come out the other end. Well, we certainly do, Joe, and uh, little did I know when I was naming the fans in more than 90 minutes, that it would be more than 90 days, more than 90 months, who knows, like, you know, Joe, who bloody knows? But yeah, it certainly is more than 90 minutes, Joe, when, when, when you think of when we do go back to the pub or even pre-match or travelling to games or, you know, checking, your, checking social media to see who, who's, you know, who's checked into a pub, maybe because you want to avoid them, maybe because <laughs> you want to be oh, exactly you do, over, over, over them for a few. Um, You're giving your secrets, yeah. But, but Joe, back to last night, um, it certainly was a game of two halves. You, you, you touched on it there. A standing first half, you know, Mo, Scott Bain, Yeti, and the new boy yeah. Diego, you know, they were the talking points at half time uh, when I was talking to the dog because I'm not the dog. As you said, you know, Lille, unformed, no mugs, joined top of the French league. They, they came out strong and I did expect them to come out strong in the second half and they got the rewards. We played very deep, but that can be expected as well. But by the end of the game, Joe, the, the Celtic players looked out on their feet. They, they, were, they were bollocksed. Now, I know if there was a section of us in that stadium last night, you know, a thousand maybe, or whatever the allocation we got, you know, we certainly would have gave the players, you know, we would have certainly given them some vocal support that maybe might have carried them over them last, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes when when we, we actually broke against the run of play a couple of times, Joe, and we, we had a couple of chances. And I was just listening this morning to... Ellen Nussis, you know, after the game, I thought it was. I thought it was great. He he was disappointed with his second half performance. He didn't really want to talk about his goals and the two wonderful goals. And Yeti, you know, he, he he's almost has a non-event against Aberdeen, and he, he comes out and he, you know he's he's looking for the ball. He's he's, t- he's involved in the goals. For me, Joe. I take so many positives from last night. Of course, you have to because you, you need to look at our form so far this season and how we've been playing. We've had flashes of it. Look, um, Cal McGregor's goal up at Aberdeen was a great move, gave you touch, great goal. That's the way we expect us to play. We'd be fast and moving it quick, and we're only getting flashes of that. And then, but last night, I thought first half especially, or well, we all know that was. We were more controlled. There was okay. They got the penalty, which I don't think was one anyway. We get the save. We get good performances, and then as you say, on the second half, 
were expected to be in the back foot because they need to get back in the game. They pushed us. We had chances. And as you say, Elanusi did say, I noticed that as well in his interview, he, says, he said about it. But this has kind of been my problem this season is choices when we're in positions, be it defensively, midfield, and especially attack. We're just not doing the, the, the killer pass or taking the shot or taking the man on. But it just seems to be that lack of confidence in it. Um, and it's happened all season, but that it's early in the season. That could, that should come good. We've got players coming back. Lee Griffiths is back. Great goal up at Aberdeen. Tom Rodgick setting up the goals. He's fast beat. So getting an Edward as well, obviously coming back. Uh, so it's getting the squad back, getting them all playing regular again with each other because we've just been dipping in and out with different formations, different players. And big Ayer gets injured. So there's the bad luck coming in. Now, what do we play now? Beat on with Duffy and then that's a new partnership playing again. So we don't seem to have this consistency of to pick from a squad and play a regular formation and players. And a lot of people are very critical of a lot of the players. And I don't mind criticism if it's, if it's set in a proper manner, uh, but just verbally abusing players is, is ridiculous with no kind of content behind it. And I just feel we need a settled side to play a good one of games, tinker with it a wee bit, yeah, but we need a start in 11 and play it. And we will come good because the players have got the skill. Yeah, it's, it's funny, Joe, you say that you don't mind players being uh, criticised as long as it's, I suppose, constructive. Yeah. But, you know, last night, um, you know, Shane Duffy's been getting a hard time from a section of the fans and uh, I've seen Shane Duffy play for Ireland and I know Shane Duffy is a good player. You know, you don't play you don't play in the Premier League in England if you're not a good player. You know, and it's, it's, he's had like he's, he's had a nightmare in some of the games but some of the some of the comments you know are you know, unjust and uncalled for and the other one like you know, Christie makes a, a big mistake last night but Ryan Christie won't be criticised because there seems to be this, you know, where we can criticise these players, but we can't criticise these players. I'm sure Ryan Christie, you know, when he looks back at that, he'll he'll be he'll be raging with himself. He won't need anyone to tell him. You know, maybe if he was on the post instead of where he was, but who knows, you know? Yeah. Who knows? But there is there, there is uh just the criticism. But I noticed Joe loud I noticed there wasn't so many last night shouting and balling on uh, social media. Because I've kind of taken I've kind of I've kind of I haven't come off it, Joe, but I, I wouldn't I, I I kind of just said, you know what, after games now, I'm going to just switch off because I much prefer the conversation in the pub with the lads, you know. And what I've done is I've gone on to some of the WhatsApp groups instead, where it's basically your mates, you know. And I, yeah. t- and I find that a little healthier. Um, and then maybe maybe watch, switch it off completely and watch a bit of TV because and then pick it up the next morning and then maybe you've time to reflect on it, you know, and maybe see it in a different light because you know yourself, you know, when, when you've had a bad result or a, bad, or a player's had a bad performance and you go to the pub, he does get, he does get rid of the yell maybe, but then the next day you might be thinking, Jesus, you know, what's the game yeah. back and maybe he wasn't as bad as a thought or maybe, you know, there was another player that was a fault, maybe I'd lost the ball before. It's all if puts and maybe's jokes. So social media as well, I, I agree with you on that. It's, it's not a place to have a long conversation about things and you're limited to what you can kind of put on like Twitter or whatever I like just to put on I think I don't like to get into big discussions about things it's not the place for it I don't think 
as I said, I'd rather talk to someone face to face and or whatever and, and talk kind of how we feel. But Twitter just seems to be a bit a bit a bit of a shouting match and just people just venting anger or try to get hits or whatever, you know. So we're on until it changed her opinion, but some of the guys on Twitter changed that nearly overnight. <laughs> no, but just looking forward to the semi final now. You know, another another cup semi final to look forward to again. It's 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 a day out in Hamden, not the greatest ground in the world, but it's been rewarding to us over the last couple of seasons. Uh, it's been it's been a great place for us. Yo, know, how, how do you see the game going? Last night's first half performance. Hopefully, it's an indicator of how we're going to play and push to get into another final. And you know that yeah. that quadruple travel, which is still there to be. Yeah. That's us domestically cup wise thirty odd games unbeaten. I think it's about thirty four. I think. Um, some records and uh, it's a good big pitch and I think it, it should suit us better than playing obviously at Pataudry but the concern I've got as always with Hamden is the game on on the Saturday the Edinburgh Derby and um, how it's going to cut up because it's the weather's not been great here in Glasgow it's been pissing down constantly um, Hamden does does what it does you know sometimes it can be a plough field so that's a bit of a worry how how the pitch's condition is going to be because we can play good football and after the first half uh, last night, that's the kind of football we want to kind of see and we're capable of doing. So we're hoping, well, I think we're all hoping that that can carry on and we should be, Aberdeen we should, but nothing is ever granted. We don't, I hate this kind of entitlement that, People think we we go in the park and we could beat any we could beat anybody, but anybody could beat us. That's what football's about. But we should be okay for Sunday, I think. Uh, and if need be, you bring on Tom Rogic just to create that sound that Hamden gets when he scores a goal. He can not be empty. Yeah, Joe. You think back to that day, been a good celebration that night. Oh God, man! It's this again the, those moments that you just take for granted being at a match and falling all over the people you stand with and there's total strangers that are beside you and oh, that, it, it's, it's a feeling that God you, you didn't you never thought that back in the start of the, this year that you'd never be able to do that cuddle a total stranger at a goal you know it's basic little things like that it's totally missing in your life you know, can't even cuddle your mates now. <laughs> I know, I know. You're you're limited to the wife and the dog. And that's it. Yeah, and like sometimes uh, I think, especially when I'm watching games now on the TV, I think the dog disappears. Now he was watching them at the start with me, and Sandra definitely more watched them with me because she said of my bad language and my attitude. I know. Well, I, I must admit, Andrew, I'm not good at watching football on TV. Uh, I don't usually watch any other games. There's two two teams I watch, and that's Celtic and St. Pauli. St. Pauli I watch a lot on kind of streams and all that, and I, we have a chat group while we're watching it, so that's kind of good. But watching Celtic on TV, I'm, I'm absolute murder. Absolute murder. I, I, I don't say anything. I just sit and kind of stun going, why am I not at this game? That, that runs through my head, and I'm not a good TV watcher, but TV football is the camera follows the ball, so you don't see what's happening anywhere else on the game, how a player's positioning sell, how others are trying to influence other players or whatever. So I miss all that as well, obviously, as 
as much as all my mates and everybody, everything that goes around a match day. Yeah, but Joe, and I don't want to say you're old, but the vintage you are now, and you know, you've, you, you're a home and away man. Some people can count the games of football they were at. You can count the games of football on your hand that you've watched on TV. Because, you know, I'd like to think I travel a lot, but certainly nearly everywhere I go, I meet Joe Miller. Oh, because that's a poor show for you, isn't it? <laughs> I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I can go to these games, Andrew. I've, I've never taken that for granted either. It's been it's been one thing I've been very very lucky about is going to games and actually nowadays still being well before lockdown. Obviously, is getting tickets for games. It's it's still a struggle to get tickets. It's not always automatic, and it's this. Saturday or Sunday morning and you're up early at stupid o'clock to go to Aberdeen or Dingwall or wherever it's going to be and God I've never once thought can't be annoyed with us today I've always found it amazing that I can do it Yeah Joe uh, and I could kind of hear in your voice and I'm surprised Richard because you're normally really upbeat and springing a step and it obviously is the, the whole COVID thing is obviously getting you down a bit and not being able to go to games so, Joe, I want to. I want you to take the listeners back to Glasgow. Joe Miller growing up and starting to follow Celtic, and then the story be behind when you became average Joe Miller when not a few fans in came out. And at that time, Joe, there was an explosion of football fans in. All clubs had them. You know, this was long before social media or, or websites, and fanzines were the only thing that offered an alternative outlook from the mainstream media and the Celtic view. I got involved in fanzines in, in 1989 and I was kind of always fascinated um, from maybe the mid-80s when, you know, we started to see music fanzines and then, and then the influx of football fanzines and they've always played a huge part in in my match day experience, you know, like buying a fanzine or even back in the day, you used to be able to pick them up at gigs and that. So, you know, just take us back, Joe, to, you know, those early years, the formative years for the Celtic and, and you know, maybe give us an insight into how not the view started and the, the reaction and that from it. Yeah, there's well, as we we were going through a really tough time. Celtic end of the season, we could be at home last game of the season. The board weren't taking us anywhere. Everything just seemed to be going downhill. Players not playing well, all went away. Like-minded guys, all kind of got together. It was Jerry and um, George of the Jungle. Um, they got together, put a fanzine out. I seen it. Got in touch with them. Met up. We all, we all drank the horseshoe and didn't know each other at the time and quite minded. But it was difficult times even then because selling it at, at games, home and away, you get people shouting and bawling at you and saying you're not real Celtic fans and we're, we're telling lies. But the plus side was for maybe one you get saying that to you, you'd get another maybe four or five saying great stuff, guys. This is what I'm thinking exactly how most of the fans were thinking was where are we going where's this board taking us it was dark days and at the time I think we didn't think too much about it and what we were doing and what we were we didn't really have an agenda right? we just wanted something done we knew something had to be done and it was it was done in a kind of punk private eye kind of style uh, made it really streetwise absolutely ripped the Huns in the media as much as we could. Had a lot of laughs in it, embarrassed the hoops and things like that. So there was it was just done like 
us talking in a bar to each other and just putting it down in paper and Dunbar, Jerry Dunbar's a, a genius for stuff like that, you know, so um, it was just great and we had a great collection of folk that didn't all think together or came from the same kind of punk background or thought the same way in it. There was guys who were just non-political, there was other people like myself and who were very political and but we kept not the view as a fanzine, a Celtic fanzine, and that's the way we've done it. And the reaction was great, and it just took off. We got called the malcontents by the board, and we weren't welcome at all. There was, there was just loads of things going on, and it was great to be part of it, but we didn't realise at the time, but as I said, that it was coming to a cult thing, and, and we played our part in Celtic's history, and it was great, and... It was great to, I see your background's got the paradise and and we were doing that with the old ground and I saw the shit talk about going to cameras lying and oh, it was just, that old board were, were criminal, absolutely criminal. Yeah, the the uh, cameras lying, I remember, I remember Henry, yeah, who's involved in the fanzine since, 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 since we started more than 90 minutes, I remember Henry taking me down. And show me one day, he says, that's, that's where he wanted to build the ground, you know. It would have been handy for him because he lived in Eastfield, you know. But uh, <laughs> I think, I think uh, you know, but even these thoughts, Joe, you know, like to think that, you know, anyone would want to take Celtic from, from the spiritual home. Like it's like for, for younger fans, it's like, they must be going, what? You know, this is, this is unthinkable. Like, you know, it's, you know, this is like, and this was before we'll say, you know, Modern football, you know, like you know, like people don't think in the blink of an eyelid to change the name of a ground or to relocate it. Like, you know, like when you think, I suppose if you look at Scotland, you know, Meadowbank, Tesla to Livingston was, was probably one, but then and you look at you know, Wimbledon to to, to Milton Keynes, you know, and you look at across across the city as well, there's that new team playing out of where Rangers used to play, yeah, so yeah, the, the stadium's been kind of kept and used, so that's not so so. So bad, I suppose, that a football stadium has still been kept. But even on the campus line thing, Andrew's let's let we weren't on like the social media and the click of a button on a mobile phone, we didn't have them then. Was we rubbish the campus line thing within days, and that was just kind of basically looking into it. It, it was it was just so typical of the board at the time that they were, they were just plowing out any old rubbish to try and save themselves, and and these guys were in control or lost control of Celtic. It was so dark days for the series stuff like that. And obviously on off the park, uh, that was off the park, but even on the park, Celtic were terrible at the time. We had we had the Hamden years when we got the, the, the park redeveloped. Again, an absolutely atrocious year. If and I'm not being a kind of Celtic da about it or anything, but if some of the young guys in the young team who have been brought up with success and through the 10 years uh, that we've got just now and winning everything domestically is, Christ, if they had if they had a half a season at hand and we put a full season in, they wouldn't recognise what Celtic was about. It was, fuck, it was just so, so dim and dark days. Previous to fans, Ian Joe, and take us back to, you know, Glasgow, a young lad, you know, Celtic's your team. Starting to go to see Celtic, and then starting to listen to to music, and, and you know, in particular, you know, punk music, and it all kind of leads you towards that DIY fanzine culture. 
that the attitude of punk rock in football. Yeah, it's it's Glasgow as everybody knows. It's, it's changed dramatically. It's back back then, early early seventies. Uh, it was no mean city as the uh, the book was. No mean city. It was. You went into the city centre. It was dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, Going in, especially when the punk scene happened, it was great because there was a lot of people hanging out down at the bandstand at the Clydeside outside record stores etc so that kind of changed a bit for us but there was a lot of still gang warfare in, in the city centre it was it was a place you went in during the day and didn't really kick about at night there was obviously uh, <laughs> we thought the, uh, the bar restrictions were bad back then but Christ are shut now but uh, back then the licence laws were totally different like Sunday there was very few pubs open you went into Glasgow and it was totally deserted so all that kind of that was a picture of Glasgow back then, and punk was a great release for a lot of people. It certainly was for me, and I grew up with all the kind of glam rock from my older sisters and stuff like that, and I loved all that. And then the punk thing, do it yourself, and just just opened up a lot of avenues for people and getting to see bands play live. And now, now bands, well, again I say now, but. Bands play all the time. People think nothing of just going and buying a ticket and going to see a band. But back then, it was like it was a major thing to organise a gig and get get people to to go. So that kind of DIY was was fantastic, and uh, that that certainly got took into the not the view. And as as I said, that kind of kicked on. And Glasgow then, as I said, was a dangerous place, not just for. Um, yeah, going in for music or football and all. I, I, I went to the games and my scarf was tucked in my pocket as I left the house basically until I got to the ground and then same again on the way back uh, I was my, my parents told me to put my scarf don't wear your colours and yeah, if you certainly wore your colours walking about Glasgow City Centre back then there's a good chance you would have got a kicking a slashing something it was the city, as I say the city centre was dangerous but there was a cracking kind of for, for gigs, for me, was getting into the city centre. I was a cracking buzz about it, but the football was certainly dangerous then. Glasgow City Centre now is it's green and white, you know, it's like all these Celtic bars and stuff. And all. I've, I've said to younger guys and even guys of my own age, I'm like, do you remember this place back then? And it's unbelievable that you can have a Celtic bar in the city centre. You know, that, that was just unthinkable back then, you know. It's, so the... That's all changed dramatically. Uh, the gig scene is superb in Glasgow, has been for many years now. Put on some myself, and it's again, it's all DIY thing. It's and it's a great, a great buzz, and I'm certainly missing it. I would imagine that you're of, of the same age of one of my older brothers, uh, David, and he he was he was he was kind of the one that brought punk into our house. I was lucky; I had three older brothers. There was. Kind of the oldest would have been kind of the you know the boot boy bands and then you know Slade and a bit of the glam rock. Then he brought the punk rock in, and then another brother Eamon, he would have brought in mod music. And both David and, and Eamon with the mod and, and the and the punk thing would have brought Scar in, which was kind of I kind of fell in love as a young kid. Didn't know what they didn't know what the specialists were singing about when they sang too much too young, but I just mm-hmm. loved the energy. And and I watched the video of this you know all the skinheads jumping up on stage and the root boys. I went oh. I want to be there, you know, I want one of them little boys and, you know, it got me into music and I suppose music, it, it kind of, like, 
in, in Glasgow, I suppose the one that sticks out maybe is the you know the Scottish band is the Skids. Over here, the big ones were Stiff Little Fingers and the Undertones. But mm. that music, you know, I suppose you know, I think someone wrote a, a big punk football. But that music, you know, and that attitude, it, it certainly um, would form my politics in later years when I become a teenager. You know, and those bands like the Redskins and the Housemans and stuff like that. And then yeah. even even around then, Joe, when I suppose the late eighties, when I was coming, you know, into it, 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 teens and I went to Glasgow for the first time, and I didn't know a lot of the Celtic. You know, I knew they won the Urban Cup, and you know, you used to get annuals when you were a kid, and there'd be pictures of Danny McGrain and you know Kane Leash maybe in the strips and that. But for me, it wasn't like I didn't really, I didn't really, you know, know the history of the club at that. So for me, really, it was the tricolour over the stadium, the Irish connection the couple of Irish players that was at the club that were playing for internationally for Ireland. And then, you know, each each year that passed, you know, you, you learned a little more. You, back then it was videos. You watched the video or you read a book and that. So the whole thing, um, as I said, when, when the fanzines came out, Joe, you know, not to view was certainly would have influenced me. And I had a brother, that, Eamon lived in London. And he was travelling up and down for games. Uh, and he would then get the fanzines and the programme that would be posted to me. So, like, that was kind of, uh, and, and I actually, I knew when I was younger, I kind of was not seeing a Glasgow girl, but friendly with a Glasgow girl. And her father would give me the Celtic view. So they kind of they kind of formed, when I look back now, they, they you don't realise at the time, but Celtic and music is forming your, it's, it's forming your life. Little did I know that, it's, you know, back then, I would spend half my life in Glasgow and yeah. people like yourself and that. So, Certainly has, a, and, and, and I suppose for, from that point of view, and you know, I'd like to thank you and Jerry and that for what you've given the support because uh, it was like it was long before the new, the, the modern forms of media and smartphones. And it's, it's, it's brilliant that Not the View has stayed the course of time. But how, how this season going to fare out, Joe? Because obviously, no match day sales. Yeah, uh, Jerry put out a, a special edition. Um, just a, a few months back, it's don't really know where we're going just now with it. Uh, it's quite difficult times. Um, we're not really chatting much, as, as I say. But the last time we sat and had a beer and watched the uh, European Cup final, that was the last time we, we had a sit down together. And but basically, we we're just catching up with loads of things. Then um, it was in McCool's as well. Had a, had a young footballer with us that, that night. Um, might have heard them play for Celtic in Ireland, Aidan McGeady. Oh, he sat with us for a, a bit. Yeah. Well, he was at, well, his dad was with us and then he popped in later. So um, oh, brilliant. it was good having a good having a chat with him. Um, yeah, Aidan put up with uh, some shite so we did over the years for declaring for Ireland, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I certainly did. Aye. So but that's typical. If you get any Irish background here, you do put up a lot of shite and told your plastic paddy or uh, well, you're told to go back home and all that stuff. So, put up with that many a time um, about where you come from and who your family are. Um, so, uh, that that was Jerry and I haven't really touched base much with it. It was the the big one's 60th birthday uh, as well, not that long ago. So, his memory probably going even further than it usually does. He's losing it. Uh, so, we'll see how it goes, but. I like the I kinda like the way you touch on ska and music and stuff like that as well because I think that is a great it's a great kind of how black and white and 
and it's kind of the terracings at the time where there was a lot of racism and stuff like that and we touched on it a bit we had a bad episode with uh, Celtic fans and the Mark Bolts incident it should never be glossed over it should always be talked about yeah of course um, yeah it's it was great political music then, and it was it was reflected what was happening on the streets. It was great. There are some bands nowadays that are still talking about the idols or singing about refugees, etc. Your your own mob, Fontaine's DC, great band, talking about a lot of political stuff as well. So there is a lot of political stuff, music still out there. The Slaves as well, the more band that comes to mind. So there is a lot of music out there. It's not it's not, it's not underground. It's, it's still there. You can get. it. So, Joe, and of course, the Wakes, uh, who encompass, I suppose, Celtic, you know, and the anti-racism and the anti-Irish in, in, in their uh, songs. And it's great to see a, a band from Glasgow that has a, a pen in their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I spoke to Paul a couple of weeks ago. Um, obviously, I was asking them just how, how they were getting on, the guys, and not, not being able to play because they do a lot of solo stuff as well. And uh, they just can't get anything done, you know, it's it's, it's difficult. How, how you meant to get a band together when you're socially distancing, unless you're flat sharing or whatever, so it's very, very difficult um, for, for these musicians. Uh, I, I really feel for them. I'm, I'm still buying albums and vinyl and trying to help bands with their, their streams and all that. It's, it's very difficult times. Football seems to be getting a lot of passes, but other Industries or entertainments don't seem to be. Um, it's it's we need to try and find solutions to to things, safe solutions to try, as I say, try to get some normality back. It's it's just so difficult to kind of find that balance. So sure, sure is Joe. Um, and just Joe, you, you're talking. Uh, I suppose what what we're tipping on politics and football and music. Um, and your other team, uh, St. Pauli, when, where, and why. Oh, many, many months ago. Um, uh, the, the, again, it was through the fanzine. They had a fanzine called uh, Millentor Roa, which was uh, out the fan laden. They got in touch with us and uh, the TLA fanzine. And um, they done a, they basically, the St. Pauli fan laden guys came over. They went to Belfast as well, but they came over for a Glasgow Derby match and we all housed them up. Everybody took people in and we managed to get them all tickets and um, great, great time. We put a party on for them. Um, we went, we got invited over. We played 11 aside against them. They come back over, played 11 aside and played. Um, that friendship has continued till, till this day. Um, again, great punk, politics, music, same kind of things we were just discussing there and that that is what they were into and it kind of matched everything that we were into um, St Pauli just now uh, last season we had a dire year we were terrible the performances were terrible we've come in this season with a new coach new new young players playing some great football and just to let your many listeners know we've got a Hamburg derby tonight 5.30 it's on BT, I believe, so a big match. So looking forward to it. We usually scale them, so here's hoping put them put them in their place. And Hamburg is brown and white tonight. Oh, I'll definitely watch that, Joe. Give me the heads yeah. up. 
Um, I, I'm struggling to uh, watch a full game of football with no fans in the stadium. I seem to be flicking. Last night, I seem to flick on the four or five games, and by half time, I was I, I put a box set on. I just said, you know, it just doesn't. I don't know. There's just something missing, Joe. And even like from like, I would watch a lot of football. I I'd, I'd, I'd sit down and just watch any football or any boxing or game, just anything. Just to, I just love watching sport, and it just mm-hmm. have lost a lot of interest in it. The only one I can probably still watch is boxing because you know I've, I've been I, I've been around boxing gyms all my life, and some of the best fights I've seen have had no people there. You know, in the amateurs, you don't get. Yeah. Onto them, and I've seen some great spas as well in gyms. Um, so I can kind of watch the boxing, but I struggle with you know, you know, the GAA starting back up here again now. And I don't know, you know, watching empty terraces, you know, yeah, just it's just yeah, the the the, the football statement from Jock, um, football without fans, you know, it's I think it went on to say he said it could be the best football game in the world, but if nobody's there to see it, it's nothing. And that is, I think that is just as much an important statement rather than football without fans. If there's nobody there to see it, that doesn't mean anything. You know, yeah. it's, and, I, and uh, I see Germany had X amount of people into the grounds and it was done really well, safely, but I think they're locking that down again because of the COVID rise. So I think the fans are, are getting locked out again. They, they're, they're not putting them back in. I'm fairly sure that's happening. So, Asking a back step again. Um, yeah, so um, I had John Paul Taylor on the podcast a couple of weeks back and he'd been at the Ross County yeah. and he just said, look, it's not football as we know it. Okay, but maybe it was a progressive step in getting 300 fans back into the stadium, but we, we had a Zoom call among uh, a number of supporters clubs over here just to see, you know, when Celtic were looking for, you know, the when they were putting a plan in place for if there was a possibility of getting fans back in, then I think basically what the outcome was like, you know, like for, for a club that wants to run buses or trips over because that's get places on boats and that, you know, it's just not possible to be basically you, you the people driving in cars maybe. And it just like, it's not part of the match day experience. They go into a ground a few hours, yeah. be allocated the time to get in. For me, I, I, I don't know if, you know, if it would kill her for me having to go jump through all these hoops, you know, where where once we were, you know, we were strolling up to the ground with five minutes to go to kick off. <laughs> Suppose it's a debate and a conversation that we could, we, you know, that we will have again. Right, so, uh, doom and gloom. Let's just pack the doom and gloom. Um, <laughs> like, match day is never a lonely affair. My day, Joe, is I generally walk the dog, listen to a podcast, and that can be anything from politics, current affairs, football or boxing, depending on the mood I'm in. And then I sit down on the sofa, Joe, and I find myself, as I said, shouting at the TV. And anyone that goes to football with me will know that I'm, I'm fairly quiet at the football because I'm watching, as you say, you know, you're not just following the ball, you're, you're watching the whole game. And I, I'm just fucking losing the run of myself at times. You know? Oh, yeah. Is it the same in Glasgow? Because, like, obviously, you know, there's people who live close to the stadium and Match day in Glasgow now must be must be dead. Oh, it's, it's terrible, Andrew. It slipped a uh, couple of weeks back there. The when it was announced the pubs were closing um, in the hospitality industry, uh, it was uh, six o'clock on a Friday night. Was the the last call? Uh, I went into town with, with Jack and I had a bite to eat and we'd book my kills 
for the last pint kind of thing. And we, we stayed to closing time, which was six o'clock in the evening. And it was, it was surreal, you know. It's just like, when, when we're going to get back to... And a lot of people kind of say, ah, pubs and all that. But I'd been to McCool's like on a regular basis, just for a quick pint, a quick chat. Yeah. You meet folk. It's it's all. It's not just about going and drinking baby. You know, it's it's people. A lot of people. You need to put that aside. It's it's where they go for match days. It's where they go for gigs. It's where they go to meet my mates. It's that that whole pub sort of has got tentacles that spread out for what I do in my life. And um, I find it hard. I've, I've cycled up to Celtic Park a few times, and God, it's, it's bloody depressing. You just <laughs> you're like, oh, oh well, that's it. Um, just get out as much as I can walking and but you can you can only do it so much because it's not enough stimulation for the brain I looked uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to my mate about this we had four gigs on one week we had we had tickets for and this was one week with four tickets uh, four gigs and two Celtic games and that's six nights out of seven in a week it was a Celtic game at the weekend and a midweek game that went on, obviously, and this, this was a well, but and then we had uh, four four to go to that week. So out of that, we had nothing, and that is a big chunk out of your your life. It's a big chunk out of your mind, and there's nothing to replace that. So it is quite difficult. I know people going about mental health and all that, and and luckily I'm quite um, quite sound in mind and all that. But it's hard. It's very hard, and I know how. It affects people and it can tip people over. And it's, as I say, I'm, I'm, as you know, Andrew, I'm very outgoing and that's kind of a regular for me, that kind of going to four, four gigs a week or three gigs a week, whatever, and taking in the football and then going to the pub as well. So constantly out to constantly nothing is is a, is a hard sketch, but uh, I'm kind of sound in mind. I'm happy and uh, it might not sound it. But, <laughs> um, You're depressing but, me. Yeah. I know I'm getting there, but I'm just saying it's, it's that that's what we went from. So oh, the whole hospitality industry has been, you know, has been has been wrote off basically, and a lot of the big like this, like all these big promoters, Joe, and when we talk about gigs and that, you know, they've the tickets sold. They haven't really given the people the money back. You know, these tickets are getting rescheduled and rescheduled. You know, off the gigs are getting rescheduled and rescheduled. I feel sorry for the small promoters. You know, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, you, you run events, you've done gigs the same as myself. But as well as that, the musicians and the DJs, you know, the bar staff, the waitresses, these are the people that are going to... The companies, the companies will probably get a few bob to get themselves back up and running, the big companies. But the smaller ones will go by the wayside. And, you know, the independent, you know, promoters yeah. and bands and, and what like. So that that is a big... Uh, that that's going to leave a huge void for people, and yeah, and how to come back from it, I don't know because it's there are a lot of places are put in what they were told by the government for safe um, opening, and and uh, I, I know a few guys in the industry, and they've done really great. There's certain pubs I would go to, and there's certain pubs I wouldn't go to because I just felt that they weren't doing it, but. Um, the pubs I, I drink in regular were absolutely great. The way they, they had it all structured and set up, they'd spent a lot of time and a lot of money to be told within a week or a couple of days might actually close again. So I think there has to be an adult conversation about this and a structure set up that, and, and then, as I said, this is the argument. A lot of people just say, oh, can you not go without a pub? It's not about just a pub. 
It's not just about going and drinking and getting drunk because it's not, that's not what we're talking about. It's a whole social network that goes with it. So um, I just I just feel it's, I, I, personally, I feel we're going into a complete lockdown in November. I can't see it changing, but. Um, we're in one here, Joe, almost, you know, apart from uh, schools are still open, construction is still going. Uh, you know, some shops are still open if if they're deemed to be essential shops. Yeah, good man, Joe. But Joe, let's just park that, right? Because you yeah. know, I, I want to bring you back to a happier time, Joe. Right? I, yes. I've just started up my time machine, okay? Uh, <laughs> and I can transport you back to a game or a time, Folly and Celtic. You know, just just take us back there, Joe. Before we wrap, right? Right. I'll, I'll tell you about it. The first one that came to my mind, I don't know why, but was uh, when Celtic won the league 4 2 at Celtic Park. John Doyle got sent off. Everything was looking bleak. Uh, it wasn't on TV. It was a midweek game. I think there was a strike or something. So everybody won that game, won the league. And uh, Celtic won 4 2. And it was absolutely magical. A game is because there's no really good footage of it that kind of is only kind of registered in people's back of people's mind but what a feeling what a what an absolute feeling the train from Belgrove going back to Drumchapel was absolutely bouncing it was just everything you wanted in a football match and your team supporting and beating your rivals uh, 10 men won the league oh, what a night what a night Love the Celtic for that. And the job, and the listeners won't be able to see it, but I can see it. And you have, I've just brought a big smile to your doomy, gloomy face. Aye, and a tear in my eye. Ah, my eyesight's not that good, Joe. And I know I can see you now. Yeah, a little tear now. Joe, I, I know yes. how Celtic means to you. I've had, I don't really know how we met. It was probably true to fanzines, but I've had the pleasure of chatting to you many times. But I'd really like to thank you uh, for opening up your Celtic soul to yourself and the listeners. And I look forward to the day that we can go back into McCool's for a, you know for a few points and listen to a few decent tunes, a bit of slagging, some half decent conversation, which generally deteriorates the more Guinness you drink, and to just to see see me old mate as well. I miss me. I would I would pop into McCool's and it would be packed. And if it was on an afternoon flight, I would go back down at lunchtime and when, when Nicky would be opening up and there'd be no one in the pub and we'd have a coffee and we'd discuss the game and that'd be a half an hour before I'd head back to for the flight to Dublin. And I just miss those little things, you know, and so many, you know, great pubs in Glasgow that I drink in and, um, and they're all different types of pubs with different types of characters. And, and I'm really, I really miss them. And even even yesterday, you know, Sandra said to me, you know, it's it's such a huge void when you're when you have an outgoing life, you know, on a WhatsApp group. I speak to Hilly and the boys, and like, there's not a day goes by that someone doesn't say, oh, "I wish I could go to Glasgow." And you live in Glasgow, like where we've took it as our adopted second city, you know, for the traveling and the money that you know people spend and and to go to see Celtic and I suppose bring into the Glasgow economy as well. That must be a huge um, loss to the likes of McCool's and the Brazen Head and, and, and the, you know, the pubs and the Gallagate. And you touched as well, Joe, earlier on, just before we finish up, you know, there was no, there was no green and white pubs in the city centre. You know, mm-hmm. you, you had to go to the East End of Glasgow or over to the Garbage, but, but I would anyway. When I yeah. was, you know, 
And then, like, I, I discovered, as I said, in the curls, I discovered this pub, you know, I suppose on the outskirts of the, of, of, of the, the barrows. And I couldn't believe that I could go into a pub and after a Celtic game or before a Celtic game and hear my favourite music. You know, this was just, yeah. this was this was the greatest find ever for me, you know, uh, to be able to have everything that I like in, in the one pub. But now, now we have all these pubs in, in the city centre, you know, playing Irish music and, you know, you say Glasgow's green and white, but, you know, it certainly is when, when, when you think of how far it's moved on. Yeah, definitely. As, as I said, back, back when I was younger, you wouldn't dream of kicking about Glasgow with your colours on. And now it's just some, some art of course. You see guys kicking about and kids kicking about with green white hoops on. As I say, the, the, it, it kind of happened and started with the theme pubs, you know, the kind of panels and stuff like that. And I remember saying at the time, I didn't mind that. And a lot of people going, ah, it's not a real Irish pub or whatever. I'm going, it's, a, it's, it's going to attract Irish black people with Irish background as a step into the city. As I said, it, it, it kicked on from where we are now. It's, you feel, I'm not saying safe, but it's, it's, you walk about Glasgow no problem now and you can wear your colours and it's, it's not going to be as, as it was in the early 70s. It's, we've got our foothold, the, the Irish community are, are moving uh, into the, the city centre more, we're, we're seeing more and you can say it's a Celtic community as well. Yeah, it's, it's we're, we're not we're not tucked away or hidden away anymore. The the, the flag's flying fly, uh, flying well. And I suppose that that's a it's you know you have to give kudos to you know the the Irish community in in Glasgow who have uh, put up a, a lot over the years and have come out fighting and have you know and I suppose have won in the end. Of course, we're, we're always kind of put away to. To, to Irish that's the way it was back then in the early days and my, my grandparents and that came over it's you were you went to where the Irish community was that's the way it was the Highlanders came down they, they stuck together and where all the Highlanders stuck together out in Brighton way in fact um, so we're, we're branching out we're doing well we're, we're um, as I said we're a green and white say. Oh, Joe, as I said, it's been a pleasure and we leave it here and we leave it with the final words that Glasgow is green and white. Certainly is, Andrew. <laughs> Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a million. You too, Andrew, and I hope to get a pint soon with you, mate. Oh, please God, please God. Always nice to talk to Joe. I think he's a little down with the old uh, lockdown and not being able to get to the pub to get the gigs and to get, the, of course, to see the Celtic home and away. But you know what, Joe, stick in there because someday we will get back. This can't go on forever. And I look forward to chatting to you again. And as I said in the, during the interview, we look forward to a few in McCool's. Oh, folks, more than 90 minutes. Issue 111 will be available early next week on the digital platform. And then it'll go to the printers and it should be out by the end of the week where we'll send out all the pre-orders and, of course, to all our subscribers. If you would like to pre-order a copy, you can jump onto the website and you can click in, and then we'll have the digital edition on sale, as I said, from early next week. Once again, I can't thank everybody who has contributed and supported the magazine, sponsors, subscribers, everyone who picks up a copy, because I keep going on about it, but without matchday sales and without your support, we would have no print copy during the lockdown. So, once again, thank you so much. 
the new t-shirts on the phones will be with us at the end of next week so I'll get them all posted out there's been a great response to the new t-shirt designs the old fellow and the rude boys there so listen thanks very much for everyone who pre-ordered I think they're going to be with us on the 6th of November and we'll post them out I'd like to thank all the St. Margaret's boys as well who got us to do a nice hoodie for them so if you're CSC like us to design and get some stuff made of you give us a shout Folks, as always, I have to thank my producer, Ron McQuillan, for putting up with me and for moving times of interviews. And when I have to get him in, and he's, I, I thank him for his patience because he's looking across the room at me now as we socially distance record. And sometimes I think he's fit to kill me. Hello, folks. This is the little spiel I give. If I give it mostly after every podcast. But look, we need your support. And if you'd like to support us, you can visit CelticFanzine.com where you can become a member, subscribe, buy some of our merchandise or a fanzine or donate for the price of a point. And I thank everyone who donated after Kieran Kenny podcast. Much appreciated. You can also download the app. It's free and you'll have access to all the podcasts, articles, daily news, video, info on upcoming events, if we ever have one, the fanzine and our online shop, all at the touch of a button on your phone or tablet. All episodes of the podcast are available on all platforms, so hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. Thanks again to our episode sponsor, Tony from Goodwood Fuel Depot Drawer. Much appreciated, Tony. He's not a Celtic man, but he loves our independent spirit, and we thank him very much for that. So, folks, if your business or Celtic Supporters Club like what we're doing with the podcast and would like to become a sponsor, please email us at info at CelticFansing.com, and you can also contact us through the website or message us on social media. And for the listeners, thank you so much for all the comments and for the suggestions for guests. Just off the phone with an old friend there who suggested a few guests that we might be able to line up, and also Joe suggested a few when we finished the interview today. So I think you're going to be happy with the guests we have over the next couple of weeks if we can just get one or two of them over the line to confirm because we're trying to go a bit left field as well and get guests that maybe aren't on the mainstream media shows. So folks, we will be back on Tuesday with episode 38. 38 already. We'll have another guest and they'll be opening up their Celtic soul to us. We'll look back at the Aberdeen semi-final where hopefully we'll be celebrating getting to another final. It won't be the same not being in Hamden, but sure, look, it is what it is, and we'll be there virtually to support the boys. So, folks, enjoy your weekend. I know we can't go to the pub and we can't do a lot, but listen, try and stay positive, because in the end of this, when we're all back in the terraces and back in the pub together, down the road, we look back at this and go, how the fuck did we get through this? Stay tuned, stay safe, and keep the faith. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.